Welcome to the Fit in 42 Life Podcast. Fitness, lifestyle, community, and getting better every day. Welcome back to the Fit in 42 Life Podcast. I'm Jerry Washak. I'm here with a special guest today, guys. Mr. David Molina. How are you doing, David? I'm doing good, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, here it is, guys. We got another episode of Meet Our Team. And man, I love this guy. David has been with us for, shoot, Dave, how many years have you been with the studios? Pushing, I think at the end of this year, it's like eight. Since you were 18 years old. Yeah. So David is part owner of Fit and 42 La Quinta. Started off interning and look at you now, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You've been with us for so many years and you're still... 25, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think, well, I think it's, I think it's, I'm on seven years. I'm on seven it's years. It's like you've been here with us for an eternity and yeah. you're only 20. This guy is like mature beyond years. And no one would believe you're 25, how mature you are, but good for you, man. If they saw me out and about, they probably would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they see me as stagecoach this weekend, they, they will. Oh, stagecoach. So here we go. So the idea of, of meet the team is, you know, we have so many just interesting, deep, just great people working for us. And David is one of those too. But I just think that most people, they don't know the stories behind David. How did David become David and become this leader in the company starting out as an intern and look at him now, like just being like a complete member of the community and helping out so many people. So, so Mr. Molina, can you lead us into like, where were you born, man? Where were you born? Yeah, I was born far away in the Des Regional Hospital. Oh, <laughs> in yeah, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I, I was born in the, in the Coachella Valley, and then when I was five, I think I was like five, my parents split. My parents split up, and then my mom took me to the high desert, so then I grew up in Yucca Valley for the majority of my uh, childhood and stuff. I believe, I remember you telling me, it's a really small part of Yucca Valley, so mm-hmm. it was even a micro-community yeah. almost. Yeah, so we actually, uh, when we first moved up there when I was like five and I actually, yeah, I was like five years old. When we moved up there, we moved up to Josh tree. So I live right down the street from the monument. And and that's, what's funny is like now it's all popular. So like everybody talks about it. They want to be about it. And it's like a, like a, just a cool thing to go to the place to be. Oh, back then it was not that (laughs) it it wasn't that, uh, which is funny. And yeah. So when my, my, well, you know, my parents split and we moved up there and, uh, we lived in this little room. We lived in someone's house and we lived in this little room and we only had like this, like, uh, it was a little small tote as well. I think those things are called little orange containers with both my mom's clothes and my clothes. And then she had her, uh, her little minivan that, that she would drive around, but that's where we lived. That's where and we lived and it time. was, you have brothers or sisters living with you at the time as well? No, I have sisters. I have half sisters. So my dad, oh, my dad okay. got married a few times. So yeah. I, I have a few different sisters uh, uh-huh. with a different mom. But um, yeah, so I, I grew up pretty much like an only child. So it was pretty oh, much okay. just me. And I remember you telling me about that, uh, that living in, I think it was a studio, right? Like one room and you yeah. had a tote, like a, we'll call it a, what, like a, like a, 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 bin, a bin, a yeah, bin, a of, bin. Like with, that was where your clothes are. That's what, that was all your items in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, that's all we had. And I remember I only, I had, um, I didn't have any toys or anything either. It was crazy, it, 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 but you know, you're just a kid, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, we, we didn't really grow up with that kind of stuff. I remember the first toy I remember having that age. I mean, 
you know, I, before I had toys, but when we left, you know, we left with like nothing. And I remember my mom, when she finally secured a job and you know, started to get paychecks and stuff, she took me to the Walmart up there and I got this like little Ron stoppable toy uh, that would make noise. And that was like my only toy for like the longest time. And, and that's what we had. And then eventually, you know, she was able to get an apartment. And there's, uh, if you go to Joshua Tree, there's a JT Saloon, which is super famous now, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's right there. There's these green buildings right next to it. They used to be apartments. They're not apartments anymore. I think they're like little shops now. We used to live in those apartments. We live in apartment number three. <laughs> and it was crazy. It was crazy because then, you know, every weekend, all the Marines from the base would go there. <laughs> and so every weekend you'd get a drunk Marine, oh, yeah. you know, hopping the fence and knocking on your door because they needed to use a bathroom or something. And That's my brother probably. Casey <laughs> it was, was stationed Casey. up there. Yeah, he it was, was stationed. It was meant to be. I remember Casey would tell me that, well, we're from Pennsylvania. So he was coming. They came, they brought all the Marines out to 29 Palms at night and he saw all these lights and he said it like felt like what he thought would be Vegas, like traveling up to 29 Palms. And then, <laughs> and then the lights, then the morning came. And he's like, what the hell is this place? Oh, no. And yeah. then, then I guess all the Marines would come down to like Palm Springs on the weekends because like it was super close and then just caused a ruckus. So that was interesting. So super you, close is an hour drive yeah. one way, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, so man, that's so... What I love is like, it's a common theme of this leaders in this company is growing up, like it wasn't easy for you. And like a single mom, dude, you imagine your mom just, just, I, I'm so like, women are just so incredible of like what they just do for their offspring. And like, like Shanice right now is taking care of our newborn and like, it's in, she's so, so she's in so much pain. She's so sleepy yet. She just grinding it out and that was probably like your mom too man sacrificing for you and she's got this boy and and like i just i really admire women you know yeah yeah i mean it, it was big it was a big deal i mean she raised me for you know my obviously my whole my whole childhood <laughs> but, um yeah and she you know she went through a lot you know she was a single mom she didn't really have any help at all and so i attribute a lot of my attributes and uh, skills that I've learned over the years from, you know, being around her. She Ooh. always had that kind of like, you know, there was always, she used to say, she would always say, if there was a will, there's a way. Uh, right. uh, well, that's a good, that's a good way to think, man. Positive. Yeah. So she was that kind of person. So even as a kid, she, she kind of instilled that in me. Like I remember she was actually the one that taught me how to change a tire. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was, she's, she, she's great. She's so great like person. with her situation, obviously I don't, would think she didn't have much money and she had his child she had to look after. She could have been really angry at the world, but if she's teaching you, there's a will, there's a way that's a positive mentality, like glass half full, like, Hey, if you know, if it's, if we can get it, like if it's possible, we can get it done. Like that's freaking cool. So what other attributes or anything like that she instilled upon you? You know, she, I think, well, she, she gave me a lot. I mean, she, she was always there to to make sure that we had a roof over our heads. And, you know, it wasn't easy, especially like, you know, she, she's somebody, she was an, an immigrant, you know, so she immigrated to this country. She learned how to speak English and she went through a lot. I think both of my parents went through a lot. So I, at the point when they had me, they were a little older in life as well. So I got, I got, I kind of got the second round of both of them. Like my dad oh, okay. had already uh, raised my, my sister's. By the time I was born, they're already like, I think they're 10, 11 years older than I am. So they're already, you know, older. He had already gone through a round of three girls, of raising three girls. And my mom had raised her her youngest brother, who was, you know, about 20 years younger than her. And and, and so when she had me, she was uh, in her 40s. Oh, really? Yeah. So So so. you were most likely planned, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) 
Um, I, I don't know. That's what they tell you, but <laughs> you never know. She was in her 40s? She was in her 40s when she had me. Dang. Yeah. So uh, she was in her 40s. And so, so yeah, so I kind of got, I kind of got this different, these gotcha. two different uh, people. And so, you, you know, I think with her, she, she was my, I love my mom. She's fantastic. She's a great person. And you know, we don't, we don't see a lot eye to eye, That's probably 95% of things. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I do appreciate all the things that she did do for me when I was, when I was young, because there's a lot of, a lot of uh, bases of who I am came from her. I think the, the only thing that, you know, she kind of instilled in me, a lot of people are going to tell you no. A lot of, and you know, she was one that told me no a lot too, like, and, and shot down pretty much all of my dreams and by pretty much all of them. But, and I don't blame her, right? When you, when you're an immigrant and you come here and you don't know how to speak English and you have to teach yourself how to speak English crazy, and you, you know, you barely make it through school and, and, and you do these things, you know, that's hard on its own. So then, you know, your, your dreams, I think, and the aspirations can kind of be, become limited. Um, and that's not for everybody. I know people that, you know, that have you know, definitely gone more, but I definitely think that she's very special and, and, and she, you know, worked really hard to do what she did. So she's amazing. She's amazing in my book, but you know, I think those things kind of held it back and the things that you go through in life, you know, those things that you go through in life, there's a lot of moments that can slow you down. They might not stop you, but they'll slow you down. And for some people they can't stop them. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, it was, you know, those are a lot of things that, you know, stopped her from ever going forward and, and doing anything bigger, I think. And so that was kind of her mentality too, was like, you know, Hey, this is enough. Like, this is enough. Why do we need anything more? And then, so from her doing those things, like kind of telling me that as a, as a kid and as I was getting older. Oh, so you're saying she, like what you had was enough? Yeah. Like, like you didn't kinda, have to dream for yes the stars? Kinda, yeah, exactly. So it was, yeah, exactly that. So it was, it was kind of like, you know, this is it. Like, why would you want anything more? Like, oh, okay. why would you want anything okay. more? Why would you want yeah. anything more? And, you know, like we, and I totally get it. I mean, like, well, from what we were talking about in our story, when we got our first apartment, we had nothing. We didn't have any furniture. We didn't have a sofa. We didn't have beds. We didn't have anything for the longest time. Wow. And we slept on towels for a long time. And that's what we did. And a little kid, you don't know anything. You don't even know what that's like. You know, you don't know that that's not supposed to be what's hmm. happening right now. You yeah. just know that that's what's happening. And so that's how we lived. And so then we know when we had beds and, and stuff, we were pretty much homeless. Like when we were, when we, when we first left, you know, my dad's house, you know, we were pretty much homeless. So then to her, you know, having the bed and having these things was like, that. this is it. Like, this is the dream, right? So as a kid, that's how I grew up. And so to me as a kid, it was always like, no, I want more. I want more and I want to have yeah. more. Yeah. And I had that in me that I wanted to do big things. Like I, I wanted to do big things. I wanted to have things. I didn't want to have one pair of shoes with holes in it. I didn't want to have, you know, just a bed. And like, I, I wanted to, to have experiences and I wanted to live life and I wanted to, you know, just dream and I, and I wanted to do bigger things. And that, that's what, you know, came from that. But I, I, again, I, I appreciate everything that she did. I think that uh, without, you know, that and seeing that and seeing somebody go through the things that she went through and persevere through them, come out the other side, uh, I wouldn't be able to, to have the motivations I had as, as, you know, being a young adult and doing the things that I've done after seeing that. Man, I have so much to say about that because uh, I think there's something really powerful about being happy with your life. And I, I don't know, was she happy, you think? Like, or because. Yeah. Okay. Um, thinks, no. No. Okay. No. Because if you're happy and you're like, hey, we don't need much more than this. Like, like a minimalist kind of attitude. Like, hey, at least we have each other. At least we have this. And there's something powerful about if you were actually a happy person, you don't need like, I don't need millions of dollars. Like, what do you, what do you want that you don't have that? What is that money going to do for you? But if it's like, Hey, this is all you, this is all we have and you should be happy. But I don't know. I just think that that's, um, 
two different ways to look at it. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, I think, yeah, I think in a sense she was, um, my mom's very, a very impressionable person. And so, you know, she just got around people that were very limiting to her and oh, telling her, Hey, you know, gotcha. I think that kind of fed into that mentality too. Gotcha. Like, Hey, this is enough, you know, like me or you or anybody else that, you know, we really hang around in our, in our group circles, you know, you so tell true, them, Hey, though. this is enough. They're like, no, no way. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so true. Your, your surroundings affect your, yeah. your, your opinions on the world. If you're hanging around with a bunch of high achievers that are like, Oh my God, let's like, I know you're really big into Elon Musk right now. Let's, hey, let's go to Mars. And you're like, oh my God, we can go to Mars? Like, oh my God. Or we could be like, hey, like, like, so there's just like, there's different levels of people just to surround. Just think about the 42. Think about everyone in there that's yeah. working out together. Like, yeah. hey, you want to go get a shake after this? Like other people would be like, a shake? Get me out of here. Let's go to freaking Denny's or something. So it's like, it's who you surround yourself and impressionable could be great and could be also detrimental too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I think that that's just, I think that's what got her. But again, she's fantastic. But she she did a great job. Look at you. So now you told me, she, I remember you telling me she was strict on you growing up. Yeah, my mom, uh, last time, we were, <laughs> this is a re-recording of this. Uh, last time I compared my mom, my mom's very religious, like very, very religious. And uh, uh, it's another, it wasn't, you know, again, going back to impressionable. But, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's it, it just, there's different routes to different things. And there's different, yeah. you know, levels to yeah. that. And so she's on a, just a complete different one. But so she, I compared her to the mom in Waterboy and I was Bobby Boucher. And uh, so I wasn't allowed to do anything. I wasn't allowed to hang out with my friends from school. I wasn't allowed to, uh, um, I wasn't allowed to watch certain TV shows. I wasn't allowed to listen to certain music. I wasn't allowed to, you know, do, I wasn't allowed to play sports. Yeah. Um, I wasn't allowed to do anything that didn't involve anybody that was outside of that religion. Yeah, uh, um, that's and tough. so it was very tough. Uh, Cause I like, I totally get like Shanice was telling me, she's like, yeah, I was uh, listening to Eminem Slim Shady album. My mom would, I'd have to hide it from my mom. Like, and then my mom would yeah. hear it and like, like that, like it's like the worst music a oh, kid yeah. could listen to. But like, yeah. I get it. So I have parents being like, dude, turn that off. Like I'm all about that. But parents could take it too far in one direction. So like, and, and so, but once again, it's just like, we like, Look how you like the, to see what you went through because you could have easily been a maniac. Yeah, like, and you're not. Your personality no. today, you're you're level headed. You're you're not super high. You're you're never low. You're just really even keel, and you kind of and so like. But sometimes parents could really they could cause people that like want to rage and rebel and just be like fuck Do, you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what? It was it was funny because. Wait. You know, I wasn't allowed to like listen to rap. I loved rap. I love rap music. Um, I like all kinds of music. I even love, I like country music now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, and that, hence why I'm going to stagecoach. But, you know, I wasn't allowed to do these things. I, obviously, you know, you can't just sneak in and, and sign yourself an organized sport. So I never really truly did it. When I went to go live with my dad for times, you know, I, I hopped in a little bit, but I never got to finish anything or do anything like that. But I mean, I would still listen to rap music and, and do that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, um, your kids will find a way. Right. And so I kind of remember that now as a dad that, you know, just being overly strict isn't, isn't amazing. But it, it was crazy. Uh, as, as a kid, I had two extremes. I had two very big extremes. So I had my mom who was super strict. So I wasn't allowed to do anything with my mom. My dad, you know, same thing. Same. And, and, and now as an adult, I realize these things that you don't realize it in the moment, especially because I don't think you have the as a kid, you just don't have the brain capacity to understand and you don't have the life experience to understand things. So as an adult now, when I go back and like now, when I think about it, um, you know, I know that they have both lived a lot of their life 
uh, at that point, a big chunk of their life. They had pretty much lived uh, raising a kid and, and doing these things. And there are different stages of their life. But my dad, you know, my dad had, you know, gone through marriages. He, he had us as, as kids. He had gone through a lot of trauma as a kid. Same thing. He immigrated to this country. He immigrated in a worse way. Uh, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he, he got here in the, he actually got here underneath a, a hollowed out bench seat of a, a Ford F-150. Yeah. And, and so that's how he came from. His dad was super strict on him. And my grandpa is the nicest guy now. It's usually but, how it is with the grandparents and mm-hmm. the, the kids. They're like the, the angels, these grandparents. Yeah. It's funny. Cause yeah, I would, I remember when he would tell me these stories, like I was, it was, it was wild to hear him. Cause I knew my grandpa and how nice he was to me. <laughs> and I was like, man, I can't imagine that guy doing that. But like, he would beat him on a tree. Like he would, he would tell oh, him to go shit. pick a branch and like oh. go, go stand up on a tree. And that's what he would, he would do. So, you know, he had all this trauma built up that, you know, you just don't understand. And I don't think he understood that either. But, you know, so he'd gone through all these things. So he was at a point in his life where he, you know, he was really depressed. And, you know, he, he, when I was 10, my sister died. Uh, she, she had cancer. Mm. And so she died from cancer. And so that really sent him off the deep end. And so he became really bad alcoholic. And, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to uh, overcome that at, at, mm. for the rest of his life. But, you know, with, with that, I had two extremes. So I had one parent who I was only allowed to breathe X amount of times a day. And I was only allowed to leave my room X amount of times a day. Like, the, you know, yeah. very, very strict. Now yeah. that's an over-exaggeration, but very, very strict. And, and I'm sure whatever you're thinking, I'm thinking of strict is it's a little bit more than that. That's how strict she was. But my dad was not strict at all. It was kind of like, Hey, do whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, kind of deal. But it, just two very extreme, extreme situations that I had growing up. And I will say I learned lessons from both of them. So I, I appreciate them both. Uh, um, you know, even though there, there were moments uh, and experiences that, that were very negative, uh, um, I appreciate the lessons they taught me. Like my mom taught me my morals and, 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 and uh, my work ethic. So I did my dad uh, for a long period of time. Like he had his own business. You know, he, he was very successful at one point in his life. So I got to see his rise and I also got to see his... Uh, very fast fall because of addiction. But, you know, I, I learned things like I learned communication from him when I would see him. Like I remember being a little kid. And, and so even at a young age, I, most kids would go on spring break and it was like, uh, you know, Hey, you're going to go out with your friends and you're going to go to the pool and stuff. Spring break for me. Hey, you're going to go to your dad's house you're and you're going to work. You're going to get up <laughs> at four in the morning, go cut uh, lawns. My dad, he had a landscaping business. Oh, and awesome. so I would, I would go mow the lawns while he did everything else. And there was times where I, I don't know if there was anything else. And if I was going to do it, <laughs> <laughs> I did that from a young age, from like eight, seven, eight years old forward. I remember he'd take me to this coffee shop, we'd get coffee, we'd go and I would go to work with him. But I remember him interacting with people. And that was something that I, I always wanted to mirror and mimic was the way that he would interact with people, the way that he would get somebody to smile and the way people would react when he would walk into a room, uh, especially at that point in his life. He was just this magnet of, he was so charismatic, like you know, he's not with us anymore, you know, uh, rest in peace, dad. But uh, he was just the most charismatic guy that you could ever meet. I, and, and like, it was insane how this guy could go anywhere and he knew everybody in the room and everybody knew him and everybody loved this guy. Uh, and that's what I wanted to be uh, as a kid uh, and as an adult now was just like know everybody in the room be able to connect with everybody in the room and, and, and make people feel good, make people feel good. Like if uh, I saw this meme and not a meme, I guess, but like a real where it's like, if sunshine was a person, he was that guy for a lot, a lot, Jesus. a lot of, point of his life. Yeah. I'm, I'm bummed. I never got to meet him. That's he sounds amazing. And you know, that story was beautiful. That you just shared. I know he passed away and I was, it was a big, it was a, a big shock for you, but uh, that like, just to hear you talk for the last five minutes was, um, that was really, that was really powerful, man. I'm sure he's looking down right now. And, and if he saw you, you know, listen to that, that's, I'm sure he'd be really happy. 
So that was, I don't know, guys. That was, <laughs> I don't know. It choked me up a little bit because I'm like, man, that was really sweet. Like, I, like, I think you as a father, if your children said that about you, like, you made it. Like, so in, even if his life ended shortly, but like to have that impact and impression on your, your offspring, like, that's, that was freaking awesome. Yeah, that, that was that was my early childhood. I mean, later, yeah. um, you know, and like I said, like when my sister passed away, um, I think as a parent, now as a parent, I, I have two these two beautiful baby girls. Like, I mean, follow me on social media, you can see them. But yeah, yeah, I, I love dad. my great kids. Dad. Like, they are my, like, prize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it shows. If you guys get to, uh, like, he's 25, I'm 39 and 9.5. 39.95, two weeks birthday. David, like I, he's my mentor of fatherhood. <laughs> this guy, like he, and, and you watch all his kids play sports and they're dressed to the nines and little Leilani <laughs> is just so cute and hitting the balls and running. Like he, it's so cool to watch and to know David's history and his upbringing and to watch him say, you know what? I'm breaking the cycle. I'm going to do it. I didn't get it this way, but you know what? I'm not going to pro, I'm not going to, I'm going to switch it all up. Like my girls, they're going to not go through what I went through. And then in turn, you get to experience that joy because you're with them and you're actually doing it. And so you're like, I'm playing baseball. I get to, you're the coach. It's so funny. David's, <laughs> David's learned how to catch, right? He's like, yeah, I, I don't know how to do these things. I didn't, I didn't get to do it. I didn't get to do any of these things. Great. But um, my, I, I, it was funny. I signed up Leilani for T-ball, my oldest, my four-year-old. And, you know, she, she did a whole season and she was like, hey, she knows what I do. She's like, she, she knows that I, I coach people and I do these things. And she was like, hey, aren't you a coach? I want you to be my coach. And oh. so I was like, oh man, like I got to do this. So then I signed up, I coached soccer. I've never played soccer a day in my life. I figured it out as I was going. Um, but I do know how to coach people. And so I was like, you know, if I could coach all these people over all these years, I could, I could probably learn how to coach a sport. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. So now I'm coaching their t-ball team and doing that kind of Dude, stuff. That's amazing. But so there's one thing I, did you ever see I'm Not Your Guru by Tony Robbins? That mm. It's super powerful. It was on Netflix. I hope it's still there, but it was a, a documentary on uh, on Tony Robbins throwing his events and he throws like these crazy events for, like four days and they go like 12 or 14 hours a day and it's showing like behind the scenes and then one of them was about this this girl and she was in the audience with her mom and she went up to speak he was asking a question and she stood up and it was about her dad how angry she is as, as her dad and how he he was a deadbeat and just kind of Whatever. He just wasn't the best dad. And she was like angry at him. And Tony starts saying like, he's like, um, well, you should thank your dad. And she's like, uh, no, no, no. You have no idea. You have no idea what went, what I went through and all this stuff. He's like, well, you should thank him because look who you are now. Like, look at you. Like you're a strong woman. Like, I think before that she went into like what she does and all this stuff. And she's at this event with her mom and she's a really pretty girl and she's got her stuff together, educated. And like, she was like, had her, st and he's like, but look at you, like you should thank him, not thank him for like, you know, you don't have to want to experience all that, but without that, you would not be who you are today. And that's just the facts. So it, 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 and what that also does is puts power in like back to you now and not as like a victim, but like, no, thanks. Thank you for, thank you for making me who I am today. And like David and like myself, like with our parents and we had rough upbringings and, and, and with our children, thank you for, thank you, mom. Thank you, dad, for making me the best parent I ever yeah. wanted to be because of what you went through, your girls are experiencing life like 
that what you wanted. So you were able to see that, experience it and be like, nope, it's going to be completely different. So without you going through that, maybe your girls wouldn't have had the best life that they're having right now. So it's like, you got to be, it's, it's not easy by any means, but it was really powerful moment. We watched this, uh, this uh, documentary. I was like, whoa, I'm all in tears. I'm because because it's it's hard you know yeah. and it is hard to look at it like that i think for the longest time i was angry yeah i used to be really angry about it you know that you know i was never allowed to do anything uh you know at my mom's and then my dad uh you know like i was saying like when my when my sister passed away that's one of the most difficult things i think oh God, any parent yeah. could ex- experience and there's a lot of things in life you're going to take a lot of blows there's a lot of you know a lot of hits that you're going to take and you, you know there's that you know there's that's uh you know i think a lot of people know it that the sylvester stallone you know, Rocky six, where he, you know, he says, you know, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about, you know, you getting back up. That's true. I mean, it really is true, but not a lot of people can get back up and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And so, you know, at that point, once my sister passed away, that was like his, his rock. Uh, yeah. My sister was his rock. And yeah. so even though I'm the only boy and uh, my sister would tell you, I was, I was his favorite. And I love to hear that, you know, I love to hear that now, especially, but <laughs> Like, you know, when she, she passed away, it, it was devastating to him. It was devastating to him. And I mean, and now I understand uh, as a grown man with kids what he was going through, I experienced that kind of a loss and that, you know, he was by himself, like he was, he was alone. And so you, you, how are you going to cope mm. when, when you're alone? I was in it. Unfortunately, you know, I was only 10 years old and that happened. So I, you know, there's a lot of moments where I was beating myself up, uh, especially right after he passed uh, over that. Mm. But, you know, the me now couldn't be there for him then. Yeah. But you know, so I, all I can do is take all the experiences and remember him, you know, in, in all the good. But after that point, I mean, it was really downhill. So then from after that happened, it was a quick lose everything, like where he lost his business. He, he became a severe alcoholic. I saw him become homeless. And unfortunately, that's where, you know, his life ended. But, you know, that that, you know, it's a lot it's a lot to to process right there. But, you know, now. I realized, you know, at, at the points where I did have the real him, because, you know, when you take that blow and it takes it down, that wasn't the real you. Like the real him was that guy, that charismatic guy that was that was the the sunshine to everyone's day. That was who he really was. But then from that point forward, you know, I really didn't have a dad. And when I did it, I had this you know, crazy guy who, 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 you know, who was drinking all the time and just on this downward world spiral who just wasn't in there. I know deep down there was he was probably in there, but you know, he, he wasn't there uh, for the rest of, of my childhood. So for them, from that point forward, I was pretty, when I would be with him, I was pretty much on my own. And, and, and if he was around, you know, it wasn't really that great. Um, it was, you know, you, you, you see a lot of things that you shouldn't see as a kid and, and it makes you grow up real fast. But I mean, even that kind of stuff, like, uh, you know, that, that I would experience as a young kid, as a, as a 11, 12 year old, uh, seeing stuff, you know, crazy stuff, you know, when you're around addicts, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, homeless people and, and all this other stuff. And, and like, you know, things that no kid should experience. It makes you grow up fast and makes you look at the world differently. But all that really helped me once I became an adult and all that stuff. And one of the things I think as, as just, you know, it was, I, I, last time we recorded this, I, I compared my childhood to the pursuit of happiness where it was just, you know, in the whole movie, he, you know, Will Smith and his son, they're going through it. Like they can't catch a break. That's pretty much what my childhood was like. It was, it was worse. And then it was, it was just even more worse. It was bad and it was worse. I, it, but now as an adult where I got these two beautiful kids, I got this beautiful wife, I got this happy family. Now I'm in that part of the movie, you know, where I would say, you know, this is great. And even when it's not great, it's fantastic because of what life is like now. But I, you know, as, as a, go 
going through these things and I, I nobody I think ever knew because I, I never liked to let it show. I never wanted sympathy from anybody like I, growing up. I didn't want anybody to know that, you know, on the weekends I was I would go see my dad and, 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 and just, you know, just be devastated by what I was looking at and by what I was around and, and, and that kind of stuff. But and then with my mom, you know, at that, you know, because I, I wasn't doing the things that she wanted me to be doing. I wasn't getting support. And I wasn't doing anything crazy. I never at any point like, you know, I'm not that guy. I'm not a crazy guy. I don't do crazy things. But because it wasn't lining up to her, it, you know, it was as if I was. And so, you know, I wasn't getting support there. And then when I was, I would just, it was, it was rough. It was really rough for a long time. But so going through all that, going, you know, pretty much being homeless and then living a very uh, humble upbringing all the way through my adolescence, if I ever wanted anything, I had to work and I had to go make my own money to do it. If I wanted, you know, new clothes for school, I had to go get it myself. If I wanted new shoes, I had to go get it myself. If I wanted anything that, you know, I, I knew I would always have to make it happen for myself. When I was, I remember I worked really hard to save money to pay for half of a car. My dad paid for the other half at that point. At that point, you know, he was, when I was about 16, he paid for the other half. He had sold his house. He was about to lose it to the bank and he sold it. And so he, <laughs> what kind of car? Uh, it was a 2003 Mitsubishi Galant. Ooh, that's hot. And it was, it was, uh, there's all the paint was coming off. It was all lowered to the ground and these big old rams I bought it from some guys in, Spinners. in India. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was crazy. It was a crazy car. Uh, um, <laughs> But, and then I started working for pharmacy and started doing all these things. So I got a job immediately, like, like literally like days after I got my license, my driver's license, I started working and working real jobs and making my own money and doing that. Uh, uh, and then kind of like just do, just living now. Are you, can I ask you questions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. Cause you, uh, we, what happened was we recorded this, we recorded a beautiful hour long episode and for some reason it like chopped off the f the beginning and the end when I sent it to production. So I was like, let's just redo it. So that's why he's just flowing. He's like taking me out of it. He's just, going right, yeah. he's just going right where we're going. You don't know where I'm going, Dave. We're just going to go. What I, what I really want to talk about, what I loved was when you started at the internship at 42 and talk about like, cause you interned with us. And so that's how everyone starts at 42. Well, it was next level fitness at the time. And you were dating Jade and then your oh, parents. Yeah. I, I love that story because yeah. it's kind of crazy, but it, it ended up like amazing. So yeah. like explain like the whole internship story. So when I was 18, I guess I started there. So when I was, so I was, so when I was 17, I, you know, I had my car doing these things. My dad was really, really bad. Every year it was, it was, it was, as time was progressing, he was getting worse. And it got to a point where I had to make a decision at that age of uh, not speaking to him anymore and cut that off. Um, so I stopped talking to him when I was 17. I remember um, he was, you know, when, he, when my dad would, my dad was an alcoholic. So when he would drink, it would be like 10 in the morning and this guy was already, you know, super drunk and, and he was really aggressive yeah. and, and, uh, abusive like that. And, and, and at that time, and again, I just want to remind everybody listening, like, as I say this, like, I appreciate him and I uh, love him very much. But, um, at this point in his life, that's what, that's where he was, you know, and he had lost everything. His, his kid had died. Everybody, everything that he'd basically known was gone. And so, you know, now as an understanding adult, I don't know if I, I would blame him, but at that point in my life, I had decided right then and there that I needed to cut that off and that I couldn't be around that anymore or, or my life as I knew it then would be my life for the rest of my life. And so I pulled over on the side of the road. I pulled over on 111 right before, uh, uh the target in Cathedral City. Uh, there's a Volvo dealership now, or there's an Arco gas station right there. I pulled over actually at that Arco. I told him to get out of my car. And that was the last time I saw him for 
a long time, a long time. Um, that was the last time I don't, I only got to see him one more other time, uh, in my entire, in for the rest of his life from that point, which I was 23 at the time, or no, I was 21, 21. So far I saw, I saw him four years later and then I never saw him again, but, and, and that's how that ended. So then I, I went on, I was only with my mom and you know, I, I, I had already gave you guys that kind of story of what my mom was like. Um, and I was working, doing my things. Well, I wasn't, my life wasn't lining up for what she wanted for in my life. She wanted, she had a clear image of what, what she wanted me to do when I was uh, done with high school. And that's not what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to do what I'm doing now. I wanted to be a personal trainer and anybody and everybody, you know, I told her she wasn't you know, definitely not on board for that. Uh, well, I wanted to be a professional bodybuilder at that time. I don't want to do that now, but, uh, but I also wanted to be a, per, a personal trainer and, uh, um, anybody that I told that I, not the bodybuilding part, but anybody that I told the, uh, about the personal trainer stuff, like I remember I had this family member who my, my, it was my uncle, my, my, my mother raised my uncle and she was, he was like her, her shining star. And, uh, you know, he turned out great. And, and so she wanted me to turn out like him and do what he was doing. And, and, and you know, but that's not what I wanted. And I remember I shared it to him because I really didn't have like a, a, a father figure growing up because I, while I had my dad and I had the experiences before I was like 10 years old, after that, I really didn't have a father figure. I didn't have anybody teaching me anything. He never really showed me anything. You know, all I, all I ever saw was, you know, just the alcoholic and, and, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but, um, so I kind of would at times look at him as a father figure. And so I remember I shared it with him cause I was like, I can do this. Like I can, I think I can be really good at this. Like I'm really good at talking to people. Even at a young age, I was good at talking to people. Uh, he shot me down and he told me, Hey, no, like you got to go get a real job, being a personal trainer. You're never going to be able to support a family. You're never going to be able to have a solid career. You're not going to have any of these things. Yeah. You're not going to make it. It's a dream. Well, I get where he was coming from in that because until recently, it wasn't something that it could be respected. Oh, you're a personal trainer? Why don't you get a real job? Almost like Shanice, my wife, when she was going to beauty school, she would talk to her client or talk to her friends and they'd be like, hey, uh, what are you going to do? She's like, oh, I'm going to be a hairstylist. Like, oh, but what are you, you going to do like for like a real job? And she's like, no, no, that's what I'm going to do for my living. And, you know, she crushed it, has a salon now and all this stuff. So like back in the day... But now it's like a respected profession. Well, everyone needs a personal trainer, you know? So, but, but sorry to interrupt there. But. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so that, that's what that was. So when I was uh, uh, seven, when I turned 17 and it was when I finished school, well, not finished school, but <laughs> when, I, when I was supposed to be finishing school, when I was almost 18, because my birthday's in July, when I was, it was like May, June, around this time of the year. My mom told me, when you turn 18, you have 30 days to get out of my house. <laughs> She was like, because you're not doing what I want you to be doing. And I wasn't doing anything bad. Like, I wasn't doing anything crazy. But you sure you know. your mom wasn't like a Russian lady? Like, I picture like a Russian little lady with a stick. Like- she is a very, uh, she's a very stubborn little Mexican lady, <laughs> is my mom. Oh, she runs a tight uh, ship in there. She- yes, she does. <laughs> and uh, so she, she, she was like, you have 30 days to get out, get out of the house. Well, I used to drive, like I had that little Mitsubishi Galant. I still had it. I had it for a couple of years. And uh, I used to work in this gym and I would, and we would close the gym up, which by the way, is not the shift that you want to have when you work, you know, all night until like 10 o'clock at night. And so uh, the cool thing is because we were the ones to lock it up. We'd work out afterwards, which is awesome when you're like 17 years old and you're getting into bodybuilding, doing, doing this stuff. So we'd lock up the gym and we'd have the whole gym to ourselves. You blast the rap music and be working out. My mom would usually go to sleep around eight or nine. So I was, she was already in bed. So I was like, it didn't matter. Well, you know, uh, um, but if she was awake, I was going to be in trouble. But <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst thing I would ever do. Well, so one night I, I'm coming home. We lived and like we lived in this small spot. It's called Yucca Mesa. It's like right before Landers, right before Johnson Valley, all that kind of stuff. It's the middle of nowhere. There was a mile and a half of nothing before you get to like houses on this dirt road. So you could fly 
and everybody would drive so fast. So I was driving like 70 miles an hour down the street road. Well, at the point where there's houses, there's a Joshua tree right in the middle of a road. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but if you hit a Joshua tree at 70 miles an hour, you can cut that bad boy in half. And that's what I did. I dropped my phone while I was driving. And I, because it was an older car, the auxiliary cord was plugged into it, wrapped around my foot. And I went and grabbed it. Oh. and looked up, bam, Joshua Tree. And so uh, I'd wrecked my car. Now I had no car. I, I was all banged up, broke my wrist, cut up my arms. I had, all, you know, like, uh, um, uh, you know, I had rib injuries, all this kind of stuff. And I remember uh, when I was in the hospital, my mom told me, like, hey, change is nothing. Like, <laughs> like you 30 days when you turn 18. Animal. And, and, and so, like I said, like, I mean, and as, as, a, as, as, oh an, as an adult, I kind of understand it now more. Yeah. Uh, um, but that, at then I was like, oh, my God, like, how could you do this? You're my mom. Like, yeah. I, I just went through this. Now I have nothing. Like, I'm going to be homeless. And uh, my, and like I said, I wasn't a crazy kid or really anything like that. Um, at that point, I had started to uh, mingle with my wife. We weren't dating uh, or anything yet. And we would start it, I guess, maybe we were, I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> her parents knew me and her parents, I wanted, I want to hope that they liked me and they, uh, at that point, but uh, her parents knew me, they knew what I did and they liked me. And so when they found, she told them about that, they invited me to come stay at their house. And so how long were you mingling with their daughter by this time? Overall, a few months. A few months, okay. A few months. So they had known me for, for a few months. It's a and, typical and guy my thing. aspirations yeah. and stuff. And You're and mingling. She's like, we're dating so seriously. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and this is how, kind of how I grew up. So I, when I would go work out, I, I, I didn't like to wear sleeves because I was a young kid. And I like, you know, it was Dude, like, you got to show what God gave you. You got to, <laughs> come on. And so I remember my, my wife invited me to her house. She's like, hey, you want to come over? And I was oh, like, man. okay. And uh, she's like, hey, my mom's home. I want you to meet my mom. And I was wearing a tank top and I was uh, like, this is the kind of uh, upbringing I had. I was like, oh, I have a tank top on. I don't have another shirt. She's going to be okay that I have a tank top on. She's like, yeah, dude, like, <laughs> what is this? Like, this is crazy. Like, it's no big deal. And then her mom was super cool. My, her name's Tony. Uh, she's a pickleball star, star now. Pickleball star. Uh, so if you go to Fritz Burns Park in La Quinta. She's no uh, joke. She's she, running that She's court. running that place. Um, Jade's getting really good though too. Yeah, Jade Jade's won, really good. Jade won a tournament, tournament, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so they, they got to know me. And so uh, they found out about that and they invited me to live at their house as long as I kept on doing it was like that. And that was like, it wasn't like a stipulation, but you know, when her dad invited me to do that, she's like, Hey, why don't you come stay with us? I know you're, you know, you're down. There's no way you're going to be able to pull this off. Let us help you out. Stay with us. But you got to be doing everything it takes for you to, uh, you know, be, be something and, and, and keep moving forward. And, um, and what's, what was, uh, Jade's dad's name? What is Jade's dad's name? His name is Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, you're a saint. You're absolutely crazy to yeah. let this testosterone fueled sh- sleeveless dude in your house. <laughs> this, this letting the freaking, letting the, uh, the wolf in the hen house or whatever. Yeah. But, but Hey, no, this, they continue to do nice things for you in this story, which yeah, they, is like, yeah, yeah. it just shows what kind of people they are. Like they were just like, just keep going. But I was like, yeah. when you've told me the story. I was like, dang, man, what nice people, man. I would say this is probably the part where it started to get easier. I mean, there's still hard moments, I think, after this. I mean, there's always hard moments. But after this, it was like, wow. Like, I, I the, these two, I remember I, I, I told my, um, well, my mother-in-law now, I told her, you know, oh, yeah, I want to be a professional bodybuilder. I want to do all this stuff. I wanted to compete. And at that point, I hadn't competed at all, right? And, and uh, she was like, cool, you could do that. <laughs> and, and at this point in my life, and you're not nobody, used to that. nobody yeah. had ever told me that nobody had ever looked at me and been like, yeah, you could do that. Like every time I would said anything to anybody, they'd be like, no, you're not yeah. going to do that. You can't make it. 
And so this is the first time in my entire life where somebody was like, hey, you can do that. And I remember, and then I started competing and I was doing pretty, pretty all right at, uh, uh, pretty okay at that time. Um, she used to, she would make sure I was training. She would like make sure I would go to the gym. She was making my food. She was like, she, she supported me so much. Like I, I, and you know, as a, as a trainer at that time, I was making no money, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so all my money, my money was going to food. So I had no money all the time. I was super broke. And uh, so as long as I paid for the food, she was making all my food and it was awesome. It was so cool that she would do that for me. And, and that's why I was successful at that time in, in doing that. And then, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, I guess I'll move. I guess I'll move on. Well, the car, there's a car now. Oh, yeah. So I had no car. I had no car. And, uh, you know, I needed I needed something to get from point A to point B. I didn't ask her this. She uh, got me a car for a thousand dollars. Loaned me a thousand dollars. Tony did this. Tony did this. Jeez, man. She loaned me a thousand dollars. Got me this car. It was a, another Mitsubishi. Nice. Uh, um, Familiar. Yeah, another Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi Diamante. Oh. It was a two. It had two hundred and twelve thousand miles on it, but it was going to get me from point A to point B. And uh, and I'm forever grateful that she did that. I'm forever grateful that she did that. Now that car was not a reliable car in any means. It was on its way out, <laughs> but it did the job that it needed to do at that time. And so, you know, I went through all this, uh, you know, she, she loaned me the money. I paid her. I ended up paying her back very slowly at that time, <laughs> but I paid her back and, uh, um, and she kept on supporting me through it, through everything. And so, so did Jeff. They always supported me. They always believed in me. They always went to, if I competed, they, they always went to my shows. I never had anybody show up for me when it was like my, Damn. my promotions from school and nobody ever showed up when I got into wars, nobody showed up. I never had that. And so to have the support now was insane. And, you know, and then I was dating their daughter too. And they were different. They were, they're so cool. They're super Dude, cool people, but that's just a lot of people date a lot of people's daughters. And, but like, yeah, I just have to, I don't know the Adairs that well. Only I've seen them on the pickleball court, just tearing people up, but dude, they had to have, they had, well, they obviously great judges of character let you in their house. So they obviously said, okay, this is safe. And then they must've, been able to just tell that this kid is wounded in a, in a sense of his upbringing and he needs us. And wow, like it all worked out happily ever after. Like that really worked out for them. Now they have beautiful grandchildren and a really happy daughter, but like for them to take you in and be so kind to you. Wow. It's just like, yeah, that's life changing people right yeah there. They, they were fantastic they were really fantastic and i, I you know i after dating uh I dated jade for a while not a while now it was a year i dated jade for a year and i was living with them and, and doing that i was like dude i want it like i knew i was gonna marry her and and we had talked about it and i talked to her mom about it and and her mom was like you gotta ask her dad like you <laughs> have to ask your dad before you even ask her to marry you know and by the way i was like 19 wow so or 18 i don't know how old i was but 18 or 19 super young which, you know, now... Was Jade your first girlfriend? No. Okay. No. You uh, said it, like, really aggressively. Like, no, there was lots more. Like, <laughs> no. was, was, were you no. Jade's first boyfriend? No. Okay. Well, that's good. No. No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case. But, uh, yeah, so then, so then um, I wanted to ask her to marry me. And so I asked her dad. Me and her dad have a great relationship to this day. We haven't always had a great relationship, but we have a great relationship. I mean, we never see normal. You, you don't see eye to eye with everybody all the time. No. And so, but we have a fantastic relationship. We're really cool. Uh, we, we have a fantastic relationship. We're really, really a, a great page. Uh, we hang out all the time. But um, so 
you know, I felt great about it. So one day they're out shopping or whatever. And, and it's just me and him are watching. I think we're watching like a, a game or something. And uh, so then I start talking about it. And I'm like, hey, well, you know, what What would you, you know, do you think me and Jade will ever get married? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I could totally see that happen. And, you know, I think that would be great. And I was like, oh, that's crazy that you say that. And I asked him and I was like, hey, can I marry Jade? And <laughs> when I tell you, like right now when you're like, hey, is that your only girlfriend? That's how he answered. He was like, no. Like so fast. It was, I don't even know if I finished saying what I was saying before he said no. And he was like, no. And I was like, got it. Cause I thought I had it in the bag and I did not. And he was like, dude, you don't have steady income. You live in our house. Like how are you going to do that? <laughs> Come on, bro. Uh, uh, um, and he was like, he's like, I'll make you a deal. He goes, if you can get a steady income, you can get your own place and you can have like a, a steady, a steady, uh, uh, transportation for yourself, a reliable car, then I'll say yes. And he's like, um, and I, we, you could probably do it in a year. And, uh, so then that really started to push me and, um, Jay didn't want to live in the high desert. Um, it's not a great place to live. I think it's super cheap. I mean, not as cheap as it was back then, but I mean, it's, it's a lot cheaper to live up there, but there's nothing there. She wanted to move down to the Coachella Valley. She oh, so this, at this point she was in the high desert too. Yeah, we're both living in the high oh, desert still. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. We were both living in the high desert. So then um, she was like, hey, you know, you're a trainer now. Uh, you know, you you should look for training jobs down in the lower desert. And so one night I couldn't sleep. My brain works at a mile in the minute all the time. Like, like from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, my brain's going. And uh, so I was like, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, let me look at, let me look into it. So then I was looking at jobs online and I saw the the ad for Next Level Fitness, which is yes. what we used to be called. Uh, they were hiring trainers. And so I, I applied. I actually went in there the next day, that morning. I went in there, I took my resume. I was wearing my, I was, dude, the fact that I even got an interview is crazy. I was wearing a buttoned up shirt with joggers with the drawstring. I didn't take on my shirt because I would look like, like a nerd, but I didn't have any of the pants. So I was wearing joggers. I was wearing a button of pants and I was wearing these Yeezys that Jade got me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I went in there and I gave my resume to the front desk girl at the time. And, and I got a call an hour later to interview, come back and interview. And if I could interview then, so I, I came back and I interviewed an hour later. I interviewed for like an hour and a half. And then uh, they invited me to be a part of their internship. And I was like, dude, I don't even know if I could afford to drive here. This is crazy. It was a paid internship. So all my money was going to go to gas and it did. But at the end of the internship, there's a possibility of getting a job there. And that job, you know, at that time I was like, wow, that's like so much money for me. Like this is good. It's going to happen. And uh, so I did it. So then every day, because I lived an hour away, I would have to get up early to come down and make it on time. Actually, I didn't know the area. I didn't know how to get to La Quinta. I didn't even know La Quinta was really a place at that time. And I remember the first day I got there on time, like exactly on time. And, and Antoine, which fantastic dude, Antoine, <laughs> you're a robot, you're Robocop. <laughs> I've only seen you smile like 10 times in the, in, uh, all the time I know you, but you're a beautiful him. person. I love, love you, you, Antoine. He taught me a lot of what I know now when it comes to training. Um, I showed up on time and, and he was like, dude, you're late. Don't ever be late again or you're out. <laughs> and I showed up 30 minutes early every single day after that. Oh, and man. I showed up every day. I only I showed up like three times a week. I showed up like every day. I completely destroyed my little Mitsubishi Diamante doing that, <laughs> driving up and down. But I got the job. I got hired. Uh, and then, you know, the rest was kind of history, kind of. Oh, man. Antoine was great, guys. You guys are old school, next level people. You know Antoine. He was the perfect like drill sergeant for all these interns, he didn't let them get away with anything. And people no. like David's a young guy with not a lot of guidance in his life. So he shows up on time. Then this, then his superior says, you're late. Like what? You told me to be here at six. I'm here at six. No, it's, and then there's this funny line. It's like, if you're earlier on time, if you're on time, no, shoot. That's Vince Lombardi, right? 15 ah, minutes, the 15 minute if you're, if you're, 
He's Vincent Boyer. Shoot. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, don't show up. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's that. But um, so that was awesome. So fast forward a lot of time. We go through COVID and that excitement and then switching gyms and names. Well, you know what? When I started, before we get there. Where are we going? Well, so when I started, when I got hired, I was supposed to work Monday through Friday, like a smooth shift, no weekends. That's impossible. And it is not possible. If you, <laughs> and all my coaches, you guys know. <laughs> we have a rotation now. It's, pretty, it's pretty easy, but it's not as easy as that shift was going to be. Well, somebody got let go. Uh, a coach got let go. They were like a super loved coach. And oh, it was funny. like, and I, I was so new to large group coaching. I didn't know any, I didn't know how to box. I didn't know how to do any of that. And, uh, that's uh, right. You really didn't know. You were very, I don't been training for like a while. You were very hesitant. Yeah. I remember now. And now you're so smooth. It's like natural to you, but I remember yeah. that now. now I didn't know any of that stuff. So I was like so green and this beloved superstar, you know, it departs. And, uh, and so I, I took over all of his stuff. And so I'm this new guy. I'm not as good as him by far. So I got, I had a really battle. I had to battle through a lot. I got a lot of hate. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of hate at the beginning, but I had to learn to be good. And then, you know, once I caught my stride, it was, it was good. This is funny because all of our members are listening right now. So it's so cool to actually be able to talk to them and talk to them how through our eyes, what's happened. So like right now you got your coaches and you love them. You're like, yeah, I got my 9am. Go see Gail, go see Joel, go see... Jan, whoever it is, and you got them. And then all of a sudden, life happens and they move on with their career or whatever. They, they move. And all of a sudden, the new person comes in. You're like, who is this person? Oh, they're not David anymore. Who are they? And then you just rough them up. And <laughs> these, poor, these poor, terrified coaches come in and all the members just destroy them and then like <laughs> stress them out. And just like David, because David's who David replaced at uh, Next Level back in the day. It was this guy that would dance and he was so charismatic and he was good looking. He would flirt with all the ladies. And then here comes David. Hey, I'm David. And then they're angry at David. Like he did something. Like he got the guy <laughs> fired. And so now like David, David's like, hey guys. And everyone's like, who the hell are you? Where's our guy? And you're like, I'm David. I didn't do anything. Just don't be mean to me. So it, I, it know, happens every time. And I feel so bad for the next coach up. I was, I was, listening, I saw this clip. And it was funny, we were talking about the Joe Rogan podcast right before this. Um, it was Joe Rogan where he had the, oh, shoot, what's the guy's name? He had the crazy voice. He did the voice for the parrot in Aladdin. Um, uh, oh, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. He's talking to Gilbert Godfrey. And Gilbert, Gilbert was on uh, SNL. He came after like the golden era of SNL. Oh, and okay. so he got the same thing. He got crushed. And so yeah. he had this thing that he said in there. Where I was like, oh my God, that's so good. I wish I would have said it in the first recording. So I'm going to say it in the second recording. You don't want to be the guy that replaces the good guy. You want to be the guy that replaces the replacement to the good guy. <laughs> and I was not the guy replacing the replacement. I was the replacement. That's and true. that sucked. Yeah, because they're like, well, he's better than that guy was. Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> and so, and, and I had to learn, and you know, but it was trial by fire. And, uh, it, it, you know, now I'm really grateful for it because it, it, I had pressure. I had so much pressure. I wanted to quit so many times. I wanted to quit so many times. These members could be rough, man. Um, yeah, because it's like, you know, you don't, you know, you're trying to figure it out and as you're figuring it out you know people are giving you pressure they're interrupting you when you're talking and doing all these things so that's why you know if you yeah. do my classes you know how what happens if you interrupt me when i talk now. oh but, yeah so uh, the uh, early on people did this to him they they scarred him from being mean to him so okay so 
the years pass, you build up in the company, you mm-hmm. become great at leadership, great at just overall operations. You become partner in the company, part owner of that location, which is amazing. And so now what I want to ask you is, and all your history and what like, and where you come from and building all this up. And it's so amazing to see you like, dude, like your meteoric rise to here interning then and then then just experiencing all getting to the top now so like what when running 42 la quinta what is really important to you that you get to the members and like you get them to experience and like so what is like something that like you take pride in and how that operation runs and all that stuff my favorite thing about our studio is i want Everybody that comes into the studio, and I tell this to the guys all the time, is when somebody comes into our studio, we want them to leave better than how they came in. I want, we want to be that ray of sunshine for you, right? Mm-hmm. So I want, if I talk to somebody, nice. if I, if I agree somebody, which, you know, as you know, like, well, maybe you don't know, but every coach should always be talking to you. Every, especially the leader of the studio should always be addressing you by your name and talking to you and making sure that you feel like you're valued. And like, that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is I just want to make everybody feel special like that you feel special, that you feel like you're doing something special, that you're moving forward. That's actually something that I, I say in my classes. It's a, one of my things that I say. Every coach has a little ticks, right? Well, they'll be like, you know, and that's something I learned in my career. You have to have your own little sayings. And, you know, one of the things that I like to say is show me something special. And because it's like, you know, for, for you know, if you're like this 22-year-old young kid and you're boxing, yeah, you're probably going to be fast and you can run laps all day long. But if you're this mom or like a 50-year-old grandma or like 60-year-old grandma, you're, you've got these knees that have been destroyed and you have like three kids already, for you to move fast is not so easy, right? So for you to do something, like hit the bag for a minute without stopping or, you know, move into the, the best of your ability and, and, you know, moving all these plates on the sled and, you know, uh, going in the rower and, and, and getting like like, you know, 10 calories and whatever power. So that's something that we want to do every single day is make people feel empowered and, and, and feel like they can do more and more and more. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. Well, I'm a member over there. I go work out Friday mornings at nine. You know, guys, you know, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't mention Carl. Well, yeah, me <laughs> and Carl work out at nine. Uh, I missed this morning because I had to, I was just off, but I, I didn't plan properly and I missed it. But I love that place, man. You got so many great coaches. You got Gail. I can't wait to interview Gail. That's going to be an amazing episode <laughs> when people hear about how special she is and her history. But man, it's, um, you do an amazing job and I, I, I knew that I wanted to just go deeper with you today and you shared some amazing things, even some things that I'm glad you did share them because it was even for yourself, it was probably great to say those things and like, and and about your family and your upbringing and and they had just an amazing impact on your life. And you've turned out like if, if they have to both be so proud of you and um, from coming from immigrant parents to not having it easy to now being a leader in charge of quite a few employees underneath you. And you have to, you know, you have to guide them. And so it's just, (laughs) there's just so many layers to it. I'm just so proud of you, man. I'm proud (laughs) to, I'm proud to be here and I'm proud that our, our relationship has grown and it's something we worked on. And it's just, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm just thankful because we started out 42, oh, well, next level 2006 and Casey and I, and in order to grow, we had to find people that, that got it and to watch you as an intern. Like I didn't know that day when this intern walked in the door, he's going to be a major leader in the company own, own that actually going to own that gym. Like that's insane. That's so crazy, but it's so cool. To sit where I am, I'm like, dude, this dude's 25 years old. Like, could you imagine? So anyway, got any, any parting thoughts? 
I would say, I, you know, the last time we recorded this, I, I was thought, I was like, I should have given something to like the next person that's trying to come up Ooh. and the next young person that's like, maybe if you're fresh out of high school or whatever, wherever you, even whatever, it doesn't matter what, what it is. Just, you always want to just like, it, it's so overrated. If people say it all the time, you want to work hard, nobody works hard anywhere, but just always remember that there's somebody out there that is willing to do the things that nobody else is willing to do to like wake up early and wake up an hour earlier than everybody else, stay an hour later than everybody else, give more and do more. All those things matter. Even the little ones, all those things matter and they build up over time. And like another one's like, you just, a lot of people tell you no. And I know you might be listening to this and, and, and it might just be you, like some people, when you express, you know, your, your aspirations and, 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 and you express your dreams, sometimes when you get those no's, just let them feed that. Let them feed that fire. Because the biggest thing that you could do is rather than tell somebody the dream, show somebody the dream later once you've actually gotten there. And it just, you're going to feel so powerful. You're going to be so empowered. Even the stuff that feels impossible, baby steps, baby steps. And just, you keep, you have to be the person to tell yourself yes. Nobody else has to tell you yes. You tell yourself yes, and that's enough. You'll, you're going to kill it. <sighs> that was beautiful. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Dave, thanks for giving us your time and sharing your story with the world, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. This has been me and my layers, like an onion. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fit and 42 Life. We would love if you could share this episode with someone in your life who could benefit from the show. Take care and keep living the Fit and 42 life.